right, everybody, welcome back uh, to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic morning, noon, night, wherever you guys are in the world. You're certainly in the right place uh, because we are joined today by an incredible, incredible man, uh, a visionary, a pioneer in the space, Matt Hogan, who's the chief investment officer of Bitwise. Matt, welcome to the show. What an incredible introduction. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, we're, we're happy to have you. And dude, you're an incredible guy. You were, you were a godfather of the ETF world. Um, now you're a godfather of asset management here in crypto. Um, let's, let's catch the good citizens of Crypt Nation up on who you are briefly before we dive into some exciting things like the Bitcoin spot ETF, um, like some new initiatives that Bitwise is undertaking, but but who are you? Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Ufe Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Sure. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I've led led a couple lives, as you you suggest. So I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Bitwise Asset Management. Bitwise, of course, is a specialist crypto asset manager. We've been around since 2017. We run the world's largest crypto index fund and have done a lot in research and in spot Bitcoin ETFs that I'm sure we'll talk about. So I look after our investments and our index strategies there. And before I moved over to Bitwise, uh, I had a whole career in the ETF space. So I was the CEO of ETF.com. I created the world's first ETF analytics system. I wrote the CFA Institute's Guide to ETFs Jeez. and then wrote the CFA Institute's Guide to Crypto. So I've wrote covered, the book. covered both of those spectrums. <laughs> so yeah, ETFs and crypto, put them together and uh, and that's what you're looking at for better or worse. And, and I'm, I'm hearing ETFs are eating up uh, all the mutual funds now. They are. They are. $7 trillion and going a, a trillion dollars a year. Oh my and um, yeah, mutual funds are, are dead man walking. ETFs are the future. So what exactly is an ETF and why is it such a big deal for Bitcoin 
and crypto. And we've been hearing this narrative for years. As soon as a spot Bitcoin ETF comes, it's to the moon. But A, is that true? And B, if so, why? I think it's a journey to the moon. I think that's the destination, but it won't be overnight. Um, so to back up, of course, an ETF is just a kind of mutual fund. A mutual fund is how most Americans invest in the stock market. Instead of buying just Tesla stock, you can buy a mutual fund that holds 100 or 500 stocks. Maybe it tracks an index. Maybe it's actively managed. And those were created, you know, about 100, 100 plus years ago, this idea of a mutual fund. An ETF is an updated version of that. It's like a mutual fund, but it trades intraday. And it's a lot more efficient, a lot cheaper, and a lot more tax efficient. And that's why, as Bryce mentioned, it's taking over the world, right? There are no flows into mutual funds. There are only flows into ETFs. So you can think of when you hear ETF, think how America invests in stocks and bonds and commodities. And that statement is why the Bitcoin ETF is so important. Mm. Because right now, uh, retail investors, and more importantly, Financial advisors, people who manage money for other people and institutions can't access Bitcoin or crypto in the same way they access stocks and bonds, etc. It's like they have to run two tracks at the same time. So what a spot Bitcoin ETF would do is it would make it as easy for a financial professional to buy Bitcoin as it is to buy the S&P 500. And that history suggests would bring a lot of assets into the market. Uh, and when we talk about a lot of assets, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars consistently year after year after year forever. And that, well, that would sounds be a real nice thing for the space, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, you, you paint, you paint uh, an awesome backdrop for where we're at and where we're going. Um, I think a lot of people get confused because they think, oh, well, why can't my financial advisor, um, you know, buy Bitcoin for me or whatever, you know, what is that gap where people say, Hey, I've got, you know, an extra 10,000 bucks in my IRA or whatever. Why can't I go to my financial advisor and just put that in Bitcoin? Why is there not a product that tracks it? Um, that just the everyday person can, can do what, what is that gap? Yeah. You know, the, the short answer is, and this is a, a frustrating answer, but it's reality. The short answer is there are ways to do it. They're just really hard. So Bitwise's business exists to serve this financial advisor market. And we have maybe 2,000 financial advisors who use our products. But in order to use our products, they have to have separate contract agreements. They have to underwrite the risks. They have to understand the custody. They have to bill separately on their crypto mm -hmm. stuff versus their non-crypto stuff in many cases. And that's just a lot of work. And right. so an advisor who might make two or 5% of a client's portfolio in crypto isn't going to jump through those hoops. It's also the case that people rely on an ETF as a signal that the market is relatively mature. Mm -hmm. And so there's some hesitancy to get into it. So advisors are doing it today, but they're only doing it in a fraction of the way. And I can give you a perfect example. You know, gold has been around for thousands of years. People have thought about investing in gold for thousands of years. But until there was a gold ETF, which was in 2003, it didn't appear in any financial advisor uh, portfolios. It was just too hard to buy a gold bar or gold coins and store it safely. Yes, you could do it, but you weren't going to do it because it was too hard. A gold bullion ETF was approved. And over time, something like $80 billion flowed into it. It's just making it easy is a 
big differentiator for this advisor market. With all the ETFs that have been filed recently in the past month, including some from the largest asset managers in the entire world, I think there's never been a more bullish sentiment that something's going to get passed. How does this affect Bitwise? You guys have filed an ETF as well, you know, not commenting on whether yours will get accepted or not, but how does this affect Bitwise as a company now having so many new kids trying to enter the playground where you really had your run of the mill for the past decade? Yeah, it's a great question and and, and completely reasonable. Uh, the first thing is for Bitwise and for everyone that's listening to this podcast, it's just a great thing. You have the world's largest asset manager that manages almost $10 trillion in assets, putting its flag in the ground and saying Bitcoin is an asset that will matter in the future, that financial professionals will want exposure to it, that they're willing to stick their neck out just to open up that opportunity. That's the maybe the largest, most important endorsement of Bitcoin in its history. So the whole pie is going to get a lot bigger. Mm. And at Bitwise, we're more concerned with growing that pie than with our specific slice of pie. But I do spend a lot of time thinking about my specific slice of pie, too. And there, you know, the reality is in the history of asset management, when you get niche asset classes, specialists tend to win more than their fair share. So sure, BlackRock is a giant institution, an incredible company. But Bitwise has more people working on crypto than BlackRock does. Mm, and people forget that that specialization does matter. So we're confident that we'll get our share. We welcome all these other people to help grow the pie. And they can have their own little slivers as well. Um, but we're gearing up you know, to, to fight in friendly competition with, with BlackRock and hopefully win. Yeah. No. So what makes, um, you know, you and everybody uh, who has an active Bitcoin spot ETF filing, um, what makes you guys or you, I guess you can only speak for yourself. So what makes you think that this time is going to be different, right? Like we've had, I think, 20 um, sort of ETFs that have been declined. Um, and it's funny, I saw this like meme that was like BlackRock's got, you know, 575 out of 576 approvals. So they got 99.95. Mm-hmm. But the SEC is 20 for 20 on uh, <laughs> on declining ETFs. So the odds are in their favor. What do you think of all this craziness? Yeah, it's like a heavyweight boxing match, right? <laughs> yeah. Two title fighters. Um, you know, this is be our third time at Bitwise filing mm-hmm. for a spot Bitcoin ETF. So, you know, th- third time's the charm. Um, I think there are three big changes, and I would say they're they're BlackRock, uh, BitO, and GBTC. Uh, so to take them, in BitO that, is the ET, one of the spot ETFs or the one of the futures, futures ETF. ETF. Yeah, and I'll, I'll explain why that matters in one sec. So take those in those order. BlackRock is the big dog, um, and when they come into the market, you have to listen. And actually, as a big provider, they have a unique capability that a company like Bitwise does not have which is that they can uh, encourage their partners like exchanges or like authorized participants to do things that it's harder for a small company to encourage them to do. So they've encouraged NASDAQ to stick its neck out and develop these surveillance sharing agreements with Coinbase because they carry a big stick and they have a lot of business there. And that uh, opened up a new aperture that didn't exist before. And so BlackRock coming into the space is both important from a narrative perspective, but actually from a technical perspective, too, because we're now talking about things that were hard to talk about 
before we had that big club in the marketplace. Well, the second one is, is BitO or the, the ProShares Bitcoin Futures ETF, which was approved almost two years ago. And the reason that matters is that it's traded exceptionally well. It's tracked the spot price of Bitcoin fairly well, and it's caused the Bitcoin futures market to grow substantially. And a big part about getting the SEC comfortable with a spot Bitcoin ETF is convincing them that that regulated futures market is of significant size and really important. And the fact that that market has expanded a lot, that there's over a billion dollars in open interest, that there's tens of billions of dollars of trading volume, that helps as well. And then the last thing, of course, is GBTC, which is engaged in a lawsuit with the SEC um, and pushing them over whether their distinction between allowing a futures product but not a spot product is sensible. And that's adding pressure. This isn't a hundred percent chance we're going to get improved, uh, approved. But when you combine those three things, the market getting better, BlackRock opening up new avenue twos, and GBTC pressuring the SEC, we thought, you know, it was worth filing. And I think that's what you've seen from, I guess it's eight of our peers yeah. uh, have also filed and put their paperwork in. That's Man, awesome. That was a, a beautiful summary. Um, I mean, it makes it, it makes me feel like we're in the sweeps right now for crypto, right? Plus, we just had the XRP thing fold up finally positively for the crypto industry broadly. We got the Coinbase versus SEC thing moving along. Uh, all these ETFs, Grayscale. Um, but I want your point on BlackRock was, you know, prescient because even my dad, who's you know, he's a boomer, he's you know, not deep into crypto at all. Um, and here I'm his son, right? Like you know, been doing this for. For seven years and and he's you know never wanted to buy bitcoin but he i over father's day he was like you know what bryce this whole blackrock etf really is getting me off of zero i think i could you know put some of my retirement i was like blackrock is you know, this is a company that doesn't even care about you i've been praying for you to buy bitcoin for years now freaking larry fink could get you off the couch but it is like you said they carry such a big stick because he's like well they carried my entire retirement account. So it'd be very easy for me to just, you know, I trust them already and it's already there. Right. And yep. at the end of the day, I think this will bring, like you said, tens of billions of dollars off of zero and get it just, you know, 1% of his portfolio and that kind of thing going. But, you know, I like the recurring idea because, you know, people are always working, people are always contributing to their IRAs and their 401ks. Um, but yeah, yeah, crazy. I love that story. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So one of the, or a couple of the reasons that ETFs in the past were declined, um, the SEC cited a lot of market manipulation in crypto. And to be fair, that was true a couple of years ago. I think, you know, Bitcoin was still maybe 60% wash trading from offshore exchanges at that time. And there was no real good banking grade custody provider out there. There was some good cold storage solutions. There was some institutional grade stuff, but it was really, really difficult to work with. And those were a couple of the reasons that were cited for the declines, not because of Bitcoin itself. 
Have you seen a lot of improvement in those areas over the past couple of years, Matt, where the markets have been cleaned up and it's easier to handle some things now? Yeah, I think that's such a fabulous point. Um, and we don't give the SEC enough credit. You know, the first spot Bitcoin ETF was filed in 2013. The Winklevoss and, boys. The Winklevoss <laughs> boys. And you all remember crypto back then. It really sure. was a wild west, right? <laughs> uh, Mt. Gox was the largest custodian. You know, sort of thank God that a Bitcoin ETF didn't get approved way back then. The market wasn't ready for it. Big time. Um, it's gotten way better. Custody has gotten so much better. You now have a large variety of qualified custodians that have been in the market for years, whether you're talking about Coinbase or even big names like Fidelity or nationally chartered banks like Anchorage. The trading has improved dramatically. You know, and Bitwise wrote that report, uh, you probably remember, of 95% of reported Bitcoin volume being false. Mm -hmm. And I, I know it's hard for people to imagine what it was like then. But you would go to coinmarketcap.com and you would see exchanges that literally no one had ever heard of. The number one exchange was something called Coinbene or Coinbean. I don't even yeah. know how. And there was like yeah. L Bank and F Token or whatever it was called. It was, yeah, F Coin. It was totally F-Coin. wild. It was all fabricated. And that's yeah. no longer true. You go to you go to coinmarketcap.com and it's like, yep, yep, yep. These are the these are the places trading takes place. So the market has improved really dramatically. And I think that's why I've always said a Bitcoin ETF is a matter of when, not if, because this market is moving up and to the right in terms of its quality. And uh, it's just a question of when it gets over the SEC's line. And I, I think we're over it now. At least I hope yeah. so. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah, so I, my memory, I'm like going into flashback mode slash, uh, you know, having PTSD from all of those, you know, crazy exchanges. You're not um, trading on BitForex? Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There, there's exactly. so many just, you know, scam exchanges. And, uh, I think, you know, even like if we, if we, you know, did have the Bitcoin ETF already and then Celsius and Voyager and Genesis and all of these, you know, BlockFi, they were involved and that would have been chaos. It would have made this thing orders of magnitude, you know, worse. And so the fact that we've now got like pizza mind, like you said, we've got the space cleaned up a little bit. Um, and on the right track. And, you know, we've got the the good actors, you know, spreading and, and growing like the bitwise of the world, the coinbases of the world. We kind of have the more gray area actors, i.e. Binance, shutting things down, basically moving their operations essentially offshore uh, with no yep. U.S. dollars on, on shore anymore and closing down a thousand positions and, and threatening more. So you have like the right trajectory. And like you said, it's just a matter of when, uh, not if. And so I, I like where we're going. Um, but my question also stems beyond just um, Bitcoin, right? A lot of the conversations on Bitcoin right now. But I think the logical next step would be, um, okay, Bitcoin gets approved. Maybe that trades for a year, two years, gets comfortable with it. But then we could have Ethereum. We could have maybe even XRP. Not a huge fan. Uh, you could all have to get warmed up to it. But, you know, Doge, all these other things that you could say, okay, well, we could apply that ruling. Maybe people are calling it the Torres Doctrine now mm -hmm. with this new, um, you know, SEC sort of discussion on these coins not being securities. Do you, Matt, do you think that we could have more ETFs eventually than just Bitcoin? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. For one, if you look abroad, whether it's Canada has Bitcoin and Ethereum, Switzerland, has you know maybe a dozen different uh, ETFs trading. 
I think we will get there in the U.S. I suspect that the next shoe to drop is an Ethereum futures ETF, mm. right? There is a regulated Ethereum futures market. A few people have tried and, and uh, it, it hasn't looked like the SEC was ready. But there's no fundamental wall between a Bitcoin futures ETF, which is already trading, and an Ethereum futures ETF. And then once we get a spot Bitcoin ETF, I do think we cascade down. I bet we get ETH. I bet we get an index product. Yep. Um, I bet we get more specific tokens. That'll all transpire, my guess, over the next five years. And it'll transpire at an accelerating rate. In other words, it took so long to get a spot Bitcoin ETF. It'll take less long to get an ETH ETF. And then the walls will come down and crypto will enter the traditional capital markets on a side-by-side basis. There'll really be no major distinction. Yeah. With the XRP ruling and providing some clarity finally around altcoins and what is or isn't an investment contract with a token, does this change some of the available assets that you have to choose from to put into your index funds? Or are you still waiting for even more additional clarity on specific tokens that were named uh, in the Coinbase lawsuit by the SEC, such as like a Matic or a Cardano? Yeah, I will. Uh, I, I, I'll, without getting into specifics, I'll say that the decision on which, you know, we have a rule in our index that we won't hold a, uh, an asset that's at undue risk of being found in violation of federal securities law. That was a very specific saying, because that's a quote from our methodology. So with every index, we have to evaluate whether that asset is over or under the line. And we have a whole internal process. I'd say that the Coinbase and Binance lawsuits, as well as the XRP ruling, will enter into that mix and we'll have a large uh, uh, a discussion at, at, at the index committee level about whether that changes our mix. It may, it may not. These are complex analyses with many different factors. Um, but you have seen, for instance, uh, a few exchanges relist XRP as an example. And you've seen them maybe be more resolute in not delisting some of the assets the SEC named. So I do think these are important facts. They're just not the only facts that you have to consider. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to kind of touch on um, the I don't want to botch this. It was the BitQ Bitwise Innovators Bitwise Crypto Industry Innovators Fund. Is that right? Good, good job. Yeah, I know. Yes, it's I got words. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to memorize this. Um, so the Bitwise Crypto Industry Innovators Fund. Tell us about it, because I saw a headline that it crashed, uh, crossed a hundred million dollars in assets under management. Yeah, you know, as as mentioned, I come from an ETF background and and created the first ETF analytics system. And one of the things that we really focused on when we were building that system was helping investors ensure that what an ETF says is what it holds. In mm-hmm. other words, if it says it's a home builders ETF, let's make sure it holds home builders and not like Home Depot. If it says it's an oil home ETF. Adjacent. Exactly, exactly. So we like pure play thematic ETFs as they're called. What BitQ is, is it's the first crypto ETF that launched uh, that actually was able to use crypto in its name. And the SEC has a rule that in order to use a word in your name, you have to prove you have 80% or more exposure to that word. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that's like a cheat code for ETFs. So we think it's the best pure play crypto equity ETF in the space. It's had a tremendous 2023. I think it's up uh, something like 200%. 
Uh, that's no guarantee that it will continue to go up, but that's just its return this year. It was down a lot the year before. Um, the solution it provides is particularly right now, people want exposure to crypto in the ETF format, and they can't get it through a spot Bitcoin ETF. But you can get it through crypto-linked equities, miners, Coinbase, etc. And so BitQ holds a portfolio of those companies, Bitcoin miners, trading firms like Galaxy, exchanges like Coinbase, et cetera. Um, and historically, it's been like a levered exposure to Bitcoin. Uh, that's its pattern of return. So we love that fund. We're excited. It's growing. A lot of advisors like it. And we think it has a, a nice future. Yeah, no, the, the, I, I love that idea. Um, if you kind of take a look at some of the charts, like MicroStrategy, for instance, which I imagine is in BitQ, is it? Yep. 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 Um, MicroStrategy is up like 130% this year and like Bitcoin's up, you know, 80%. And, you know, I see Riot and Marathon. I imagine they're in there. Yep. Um, you know, they're up, you know, huge. And so, you know, how can an average investor get exposure to something like BitQ? Or do you only do it really through, um, you know, maybe you got to be a qualified, you know, purchaser? No, no. Yeah, great, great question. BitQ trades like any ETF. So you can buy it through a traditional brokerage account, whether that's, Schwab or, or Robinhood or uh, Fidelity. Interactive brokers, like maybe. Interactive brokers. Yeah, of course, you should be aware of the risks and the risk of loss. Oh, but every investor um, with access to a brokerage account can find uh, BitQ at their fingertips. And it's a, you know, it, it rebalances on a regular basis. It's managed by a professional team. So we're, we're proud of that fund. What, what products get the most interest that you guys have? Um, is there one that kind of stands out? This is the flagship. This is where there's you know the most interest. Yeah, great question. There are two. Um, BitQ is one of them. So BitQ is growing very fast because people want exposure to diversified crypto equities mm -hmm. and they find an efficient way to get exposure to the crypto ecosystem. Uh, the second one, of course, is our Bitwise 10 large cap crypto index, mm -hmm. uh, which people call the S&P 500 of crypto. And it's just an easy way to get diversified exposure to the crypto ecosystem. But we offer, I think, more than 20 products now. We offer ETFs, private funds, OTCQX trusts, SMAs. We have an active fund of funds. What we try to do is provide a variety of strategies and a variety of wrappers, but connected by expertise in the crypto space. So when you dig under the surface, we understand the tokens, we understand custody, we understand trading. Um, and 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 we present it to the world in all these different packages. The crypto space has grown so much in just the past year. Calling it the crypto space almost sounds like a an umbrella term that, that doesn't really define it anymore. We've got mm -hmm. real world assets coming in, decentralized physical infrastructure, decentralized science. Uh, to say the AI, of course, has been like the hottest new niche this year that's really taken the whole world by storm. Of all these new things that are coming out in you know the quote unquote digital asset space or Web three, what has you most excited for twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four? Oh, great question. Twenty twenty three, I do think because of the momentum behind it, uh, you're going to see a lot of excitement in in Bitcoin itself. Um, we're really excited to see what emerges in the Ethereum ecosystem as the killer app. And my view is that we haven't seen uh, the killer app there. We've seen huge infrastructure improvements with the rise of layer twos. We've seen interesting experiments via DeFi or stable coins or big brands embracing NFTs or gaming. 
Um, I think that's very exciting or decentralized compute or decentralized graphical rendering. I think all of those are exciting, but we're still waiting to see what would break through. I do think we'll see something break through with real mainstream adoption within that time period that you looked. Um, so, you know, broadly speaking, I'm excited for the Ethereum ecosystem. And then I'm waiting to see what is the thing that really catches fire, right? What is the thing that is the next stablecoin or DeFi? Um, and I think I think it's going to emerge, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if there's going to be new, like, um, like basically, you know, kind of harkening back to this XRP ruling, there's going to be some sort of new capital formation mechanism that kind of comes from these new guidelines or this kind of outline of what's legal, what's not. Um, whereas, you know, we had the ICOs that boomed and bust. We had the DeFi uh, mining, what is it called? Liquidity mining and yield farming that kind of had a boom and bust. Um, it feels like airdrops are really in the clear. It seems like um, there's got to be some other distribution mechanisms um, for issuers of these tokens um, that really do like, you know, kind of spur another another big run up. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on on any new mechanisms that, that might come through this? That's a really that's a really interesting question. Um, I think a lot of people are working on that. You know, yeah. I, I think a lot of the next generation of massive zero to 100 leaders are going to be actual applications as opposed to infra tokens. Um, and I'm excited to see how they how they structure those. If there's a yeah. corporation if there's a token at all, I think those are interesting questions. Um, but that's where I would look. I don't have any specific fundraising mechanism in mind, but I think that's one. And I'd add, uh, I'd add an old school one. You know, there, there is a pipeline of uh, companies waiting to go public in the crypto space that are mm -hmm. fairly significant. And I think people have forgotten about that because they were crushed in the bear market. But, you know, as excited as we were to see Coinbase go public, I suspect over the next three years, you'll see a new wave of companies going public in that space as well. Interesting. Yeah. I want to take the conversation in a slightly different direction than what we've been on so far. There's been a lot of chat on Twitter from Bank of America customers that are having their accounts closed down, and it's presumably for interacting with Coinbase. And I don't mm. use a bank, I use a credit union, and I've had no issues so far. But now that I'm looking at the domestic wire form that I'm about to fill out, brand new, it says, if you're planning on wiring this to a cryptocurrency exchange, we reserve the right to cancel this wire. And I went, oh, my God, this is insane. So good, the good thing you read the fine print. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how, how, how often do you do that, dude? <laughs> dude, it's right there at the top. It's not even fine print. It's in bold. Like, they want you wow. to know you are not allowed to do this anymore. So the banking sector has not caught on to the bullishness of crypto in the U.S. yet. Are you hearing any rumblings or rumors in your neck of the woods that might finally change this so we can actually, you know, get our money into this before it's too late? Yeah, it's it's a great point to raise. And the short answer to that is no. I mean, I, I do think it, it drives to an important point is that in part because prices have come back and in part because we have new narratives to glom onto, we've sort of forgotten the regulatory assault that was hitting crypto in Q1 uh, that started in late Q4 that continued into Q2. Operation Choke Point 2.0, uh, you know, the, the shutdown of, of Silvergate and Signature, um, that's still very real. And you're pointing out another example of how that continues into this space. 
The, the short answer is no. I don't know that things are getting much worse, but I don't think they've crossed over and gotten much better yet. I think we're going to need to see um, possibly legislative action uh, before that trend uh, really reverses. It's still a difficult market environment. And of course, that raises risks. You know, there are also these you know, accounting rules that are making it more difficult for traditional providers to enter the custody space. Um, you see some of those traditional providers stepping back from that space like NASDAQ did. Uh, so there is still this negative regulatory overhang um, that hasn't gone away. It, it's, it's still a headwind for us. We would be higher without it. It still raises risks. And, and you're pointing out an important thing to remember it's there. Uh, before we wrap everything up, I want to get some insight into your fund of funds. Um, I've heard rumblings about this. Has it launched? Um, and if so, what is it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we think there's room in the market for uh, an actively managed uh, fund of funds. Um, you know, I, I can't speak to our our specific fund uh, with much focus, but I think what's missing in the market, there are a lot of institutions that are interested in allocating to crypto hedge funds, but are uncomfortable doing the due diligence and don't even know the right questions necessarily to ask from a due diligence perspective. So we think there's room in the market for um, strategies that are highly due diligence, that have high risk controls around them, and that provide exposure to some of the interesting things that are happening um, in the crypto hedge fund space. You know, the, the, the thing to remember about crypto is it's an entire asset class. And as a result, you're going to have investors take different approaches. People are going to do it themselves and buy individual crypto assets. They're going to buy crypto funds that are index funds. They're going to buy crypto funds that are actively managed. And they're going to allocate to hedge funds. They're also going to allocate to venture capital. All of those, those five paradigms are going to grow. The only two that are really big are retail investors and venture capital. Everything else in the middle is still in an emergent phase and is likely to get, in my view, 10 to 100 times bigger in the future. And so uh, the, the hedge fund space is another space that I think could 10x or 100x, they're interesting alpha opportunities. And I'm an index guy, yeah. right? I manage the Journal of Indexes. I <laughs> wrote about ETFs for a decade. But I look at the crypto space and I acknowledge that there are active opportunities there that well-structured funds can get after if they can control their risks. So yeah. um, we're looking in that space. Uh, we, we think it's interesting. Incredible. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to ask any secret sauce or anything, but you know, I think maybe people who are listening are thinking, well, geez, if a hedge fund can do it, can I do it? Um, are there are there at home strategies or anything like that that people could kind of take a take a thought of? Like, for instance, one of the the trades that I heard about was people just saying, Hey, I'm just gonna buy grayscale Bitcoin trust um at a discount. And then the bet is, you know, if it goes back to parity because it becomes an ETF, then you kind of get two for one Bitcoin. And again, the the grayscale Bitcoin ETF might go kaput. That might become an 80% discount and go to zero. So of course you have to manage your risk, but that's like one trade idea um, where there's clearly like, you know, a huge, you know, arbitrage opportunity. Um, You know, are there any other kind of ideas of like how people could actively manage trades or what they should look at or anything like that? Yeah, I, I would. I would, without getting to a specific recommendation, I would tell people that they have two major advantages and one major disadvantage, and so they should think about those. Mm. The disadvantage is that, from a due diligence and risk perspective, it's very difficult as an individual. 
you can't visit a custodian and test their processes. You have to rely on others. So be aware of those risks. But you have two big advantages. One is that you're much smaller than a large institution. So there are a lot of interesting ARB trades that work if you have $100,000 that don't work if you have $100 million. Mm. And that's like an unexplored opportunity that retail investors are uniquely capable of attacking if they're smart about it. And then the other thing is you have control over your duration, by which I mean, like the GBTC is an example. If you're going to hold that for a month, who knows what the premium or discount is going to do? But you might have conviction that if I can hold it for an unlimited time, it's going to convert to an ETF. And then your only risk is you're paying the management fee or you could be wrong about that conversion. And so if you think about being small as an advantage and having control over when you need liquidity as an advantage, and then use that framework to evaluate different trading strategies. I love it. Now, one of the things that 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 kind of notion of no expiration um, brings to mind is like I think of a lot of these altcoins as unexpiring call options where they're jumpy, they're super volatile, they might just grind lower, 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 but they're not, you know, oh, you're expiring and getting rolled to, uh, you know, on the end of the quarter. <laughs> they just don't expire. They're perpetual. And so you could hold them um, and get out on a, on a quick move when everybody gets excited and make sure you know, you know, you're not buying during the periods of excitement. You're kind of buying during the periods of doom and gloom, which hopefully everybody who's listening has been doing at home on their own, buying during the bear market to prepare to reap the rewards of the bull market. But uh, <laughs> one other question for you. Um, I know we, we mentioned diligence. Um, is there any like, again, takeaway at home things that we can do to diligence the sea of 25,000 cryptocurrencies? And you don't need to speak to specifically how Bitwise is, but I know that you guys have a big process to to select which coins are legit and which ones you should probably quit. Yeah. You know, I, when I think of diligence, what I try to avoid is things that unexpectedly go to zero, mm-hmm. um, sort of binary risk where it falls to zero. There's, there's no way to do diligence if it's going to go up or down in value. I can't provide much guidance there. But there are a few tricks of the trade that could be helpful on avoiding real blowups. One is if you look at the best custodians in the world, the ones that are regulated, the Coinbase's, the Gemini's, the Fidelity, they publish lists of which assets they custody. And if you're looking at an asset that no major custodian custodies, that is a red flag of significant risk. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing is true if you look at where it trades. If it's only trading on unregulated exchanges, that doesn't mean it's not a valid asset. But it does mean there's additional risk and you should be aware that there are those risks. This won't help you avoid every blow up. There certainly have been high profile crypto assets that you could custody anywhere that blew up. But they're good screening mechanisms to get you down to a still a fairly large set of options, but not 25,000. Right. The leading custodians may be custody 100, 150 assets. And it just if it's not on those lists, um, that should be a red flag for you or at least a yellow flag that you need to do an additional layer of re- research before you decide to invest. Love it. That, w- that was, you know, again, perfectly described um, and definitely hit the nail on the head. And my last question for you before we let you go, um, you know, you, you saw very clearly in the early 2000s what the future of ETFs would become. You kind of were writing the book on it. Um, you, you know, we're the CEO of ETF.com. And um, 
and now your vision has really been fulfilled as um, you know the boomer's favorite method of investing the mutual fund has now been cannibalized by the ETF, which is now everywhere. So you were right on that, but you left that world to kind of start up in crypto. So what's the future of crypto? If we could take your you know, learnings from ETF, is it going to be a similar trajectory where you know, crypto is going to eat the world in some capacity or going to eat ETFs even maybe? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have moved uh, <laughs> from ETFs to crypto unless I thought it was a bigger opportunity. Mm. And I think it is a bigger opportunity. I think in the future, you know, the vast majority of our financial activity will be uh, transacted over public blockchains. The way we think about money will be intermediated by public blockchains. And a lot of our culture, anywhere where there's a valuable object to own, whether it's data or, or a good, will be uh, through the lens of crypto and public blockchains as well. That is an enormous, many trillion dollar market. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, you know, people who are early to that space may be rewarded uh, because I do think it's going to disrupt a huge chunk of our uh, economy and make it make it ultimately better. So that's why I made the switch. It's a bigger market than ETFs by a significant factor. And uh, I'm really excited to see where we are in, in another five or 10 years. Love it. Matt, thank you so much for coming on to the Crypto 101 podcast. I couldn't agree more. Um, this was awesome. And if people want to actually get involved uh, or, or learn more about the products, wh- where would where could we send them real quick? Yeah, sure. Come over to bitwiseinvestments.com. You can sign up for our uh, our various research and newsletters or, or look at some of the product descriptions on that website. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully you can come back on the show when there's another big announcement. I love it. Great questions. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening. This was fun. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.